Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Kelly Barner, owner of Buyer's Meeting Point and the host of Dial P for Procurement here on Supply Chain Now. In this week's show, we'll be remembering business history stories, innovations, inventions, and firsts that took place over the years between September 13th to the 17th. Now, there are a few very famous people in business history that everyone knows. Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie, and Orville and Wilbur Wright come to mind. We've been told their stories because they drove groundbreaking innovation, and in some cases, we are still living with and using the things they invented. But behind each Ford and Carnegie, there was an army of contributors whose stories we don't know. These are some of the best stories because they fill in the missing pieces of the history we already know and give us a peek behind the scenes of what went on. This week, I would like to tell you one of those stories. On September 13, 1881, Lewis Howard Latimer received a patent for the electric lamp. His patent wasn't for a lamp or a light bulb design, but rather an improved design for producing the light bulbs. Lewis Latimer was an African-American inventor, patent expert, and electrical pioneer. He was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts to Rebecca and George Latimer, slaves who had escaped from Virginia. In fact, one of his first brushes with history was when his father George was recognized and recaptured in Boston. He was put on trial as a fugitive and defended by none other than well-known abolitionists Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison. The publicity created by the trial actually helped George purchase his freedom. As Latimer grew up and started to make his own way in the world, one of his first careers was in the U.S. Navy. He served for two years during the Civil War, and he had to lie about his age to enlist because he was only 15 at the time. After receiving an honorable discharge, Latimer was hired by a patent law firm in Boston. His job was to create the drawings that would accompany patent applications. Despite being a self-taught mechanical artist, he showed great potential and was quickly promoted to head draftsman. Not only did Latimer illustrate other people's patents, but he started inventing a few things of his own, including an improved railroad car bathroom and an early predecessor of an air conditioning unit. 
Latimer would go on to work for both Alexander Graham Bell and Thomas Edison. Bell discovered Latimer while he was still a patent draftsman and hired him to draft the drawings required to receive a patent for the telephone. During this time, Latimer transitioned from being a draftsman to being a full-time inventor, working for the United States Electric Lighting Company owned by Hiram Maxim. Maxim had so much faith in Latimer that when he was opening a manufacturing site for the incandescent light bulb in London, Latimer was sent to oversee the establishment of the production process, including everything from blowing the glass to getting the factory up and running. During this golden age of U.S. invention and innovation, it was common for inventors to try and improve others' creations. This is where Louis Latimer did the work that we recognize in today's show. Thomas Edison's light bulb, patented in January of 1880, used a filament made of carbonized bamboo. It worked, but it burned out very quickly. Latimer improved upon the filament by encasing it in cardboard instead of bamboo. This made it far more durable, particularly during the carbonization process. In September of 1881, Latimer received a patent for the improvements he made to the filament production process. A few years later, in 1884, Latimer was offered a position working for Thomas Edison's company, where he used both his knowledge of the patent process and also the incandescent light bulb. During his time at Edison, he wrote the first book on electric lighting and oversaw the installation of electric lights in London, Montreal, Philadelphia, and New York. When Edison's company merged with another to become General Electric, he worked in the legal department. Latimer continued to work and invent, earning seven patents in all. In 1918, a group called the Edison Pioneers was formed. It was made entirely of people who had worked closely with Thomas Edison. Latimer was the only African-American granted membership. But his achievements weren't contained to the world of inventions. He was proud of his military service during the Civil War, and he remained an active participant in veterans' organizations, such as the Grand Army of the Republic. He was also an early civil rights advocate. In 1895, Latimer wrote a letter to New York City Mayor Seth Lowe to protest the removal of an African-American board member from the Brooklyn School Board in the face of racist pressures. As he wrote at the time, equality before the law, security under the law, and an opportunity by and through maintenance of the law to enjoy with our fellow citizens of all races and complexions the blessings guaranteed under the Constitution. Amen to that. But even that is not all. Louis Latimer was truly a Renaissance man. He wrote a book of poetry called Poems of Love and Life that probably wasn't about the light bulb. He played the violin and flute, painted portraits, and wrote plays. All of these contributions to society later led to his home being preserved. About 60 years after his death, the house that he spent the last 25 years of his life in was moved 1.4 miles to 137th Street in Queens, where you can still go visit it as a museum and visitor center. We may not know Latimer's name as the fixer of Edison's light bulb or as the artist behind Alexander Graham Bell's telephone patent illustrations, 
but his life and story are as rich and important as any of the ones we all know. Let's remember a few other key dates in business history from this week. On September 13, 1985, the Super Mario Bros. home video game was launched. The game, released by Nintendo, was created by Shigeru Miyamoto and Takashi Takuza during a three-year engineering process. It was released as an arcade game two years earlier and would go on to become one of the most popular games of all time with more than 50 million copies sold worldwide. One of those copies happened to be mine. And I will admit to playing more than a few million hours of the game. I remember comparing thumbs with my friends at school to see if we could recognize the familiar arrow pattern in our fingers after so many hours of play. The day you beat the game, you were a hero. It might be history, but that is a feeling I will never forget. We also have to acknowledge the founding of General Motors on September 16, 1908, by William Billy Durant in Flint, Michigan. The funny thing about this is that he hated cars. He was a high school dropout who had made his fortune building horse-drawn carriages. He thought cars were noisy, smelly, and dangerous, which they were. In fact, he wouldn't even let his daughter ride in one. But he purchased the struggling automobile company, known as Buick, and built it into the foundation for General Motors, in part by inventing the automobile dealer franchise we know today. And before we wrap, let's recognize a couple of business history birthdays. On September 15, 1890, British mystery author Agatha Christie was born in Torquay, England. She wrote nearly 100 books during her career, but she is probably best known for The Murder on the Orient Express and The Mousetrap. The Guinness Book of World Records lists her as the best-selling fiction writer of all time, with her novels having sold over 2 billion copies. Now, a few things you might not know about Agatha Christie. She was homeschooled, and during World Wars I and II, she worked in hospital dispensaries, where she gained the knowledge of poisons that she would later use in her books and plots. Although most of her works have been adapted for stage or screen, she never really liked either one. As she said about herself in 1946, my chief dislikes are crowds, loud noises, gramophones, and cinemas. I dislike the taste of alcohol, and I do not like smoking. I do like the sun, sea, flowers, traveling, strange foods, sports, concerts, theaters, pianos, and doing embroidery. Last but not least, I would like to wish a very happy birthday to Melinda Lou Thomas Morse, or as most of us know her, Wendy, the little girl with red pigtails featured on the Wendy's Burger Chain signs. She was born on September 14, 1961, and to this day she uses the name Wendy Thomas whenever serving as a spokesperson for the restaurant chain. She also still owns some of the chain locations and has been featured in recent ad campaigns. Well, that wraps up this edition of This Week in Business History. Thank you so much for tuning into the show each week. 
Don't forget to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership available at supplychainnow.com. As a friendly reminder, you can find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from. And be sure to tell us what you think. We would love to earn your review, and we encourage you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Kelly Barner wishing you all nothing but the best. On that note, we'll see you next time here on This Week in Business History.